Life Audio. Hey, my friends, it's Nicole, and welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm here, guys. I'm back. I'm so excited to be with you. We've been doing a lot of replays over the summer just to give me a little bit of a break and really for us to step back for a minute and say, okay, what's God calling us to in this next season? What does that look like for this podcast? And It was great. It was great space. And what I really came to realize and appreciate was how much this practice of being together with you guys, how much really seeking scripture together and saying, okay, let's just apply a very simple method to the way we read the Bible together. And let's have this place that we can do that. How meaningful that really is and how much great ministry is happening in that. You know, it can feel like while I'm here sitting in this office speaking into a microphone by myself might not quite feel the same as, you know, standing on a stage and preaching to a congregation, but there's different benefits to the way that we get to engage together because you guys get to dig in with me and we get to really look at scripture in a way that we can apply to our everyday lives kind of week over week, maybe just a little supplement to your church experience or to your church home. Or for those of you who are new to studying the Bible, you know, you can be in church for decades and never have really tried to take on, you know, understanding God's word for yourself. And that's what we're really about here on this podcast is creating a place where we use really simple tools to understand scripture for ourselves. This is really really the heart of the the Protestant faith. So you're welcome wherever you are, Catholic, Protestant, elsewhere. You can you're always welcome on this podcast. But just a little church history. The idea of the Reformation, which happened about five hundred years ago, was founded all in this concept of, of several people, really the Spirit of God moving in many different places, which is often the case in revival. It's not one person, but God, the Spirit moving through a lot of different places and people. And there was this sense of um we're saved by faith alone and, and and what does it look like to actually be able to read the Bible for yourself at that time in church history you would go to church or a mass and no one would have a Bible you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to like read it for yourself um, you wouldn't be able to read it in your own language and so there was this disconnect between maybe what we had in God's word and what people were experiencing on an everyday basis and so the idea there of our faith was, what does it look like to be able to read the Bible for yourself, to be able to encounter God for yourself, that the only mediator that you need between you and God is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our mediator. You don't need another spiritual authority between you and God, that God really, he he broke that dividing line when Christ came to the world. He actually, he abolished that hierarchy in the sense that, of course, we have Bible teachers and we have gifts in pastors and preachers and teachers who help guide us toward the Lord. But someone doesn't stand between us and God. That that was done in Christ. The sacrifice that Christ made means that we can actually have communion with God. We have the Spirit of God that can lead us and direct us. But we're not just out there on our own, just experiencing willy-nilly whatever um, our feelings may sway us right and left. We actually have the foundation of God's Word. We get to know God because He laid out for us who he is in his word. We don't have to be confused. We don't have to be disturbed and not understand who God is because God has revealed himself through his word. And so that's what we're doing together. And in just a nutshell, 
what we're doing together is really returning to the roots of our faith, which is that nobody needs to stand between you and God, that you have tools and you have the ability to encounter God for yourself. That is the essence of our faith, is that God has decided that he desires a relationship with each and every one of us, that he has purposes and plans for your life for each and every one of us, and that he's revealed himself to us through his word. God is speaking into your life. The way, the primary way that he speaks into your life is through his word. Oftentimes I'll talk to people and they'll feel like, I don't know, I can't hear God's voice and I don't know what God is saying to me. And I'm like, well, do you know what God's voice sounds like? Because if you want to know what God's voice sounds like, then you want to be in his word. You want to learn about who God is through the way that he's revealed himself. Then when the spirit speaks to you, you actually understand and and know his voice. Jesus said, like the sheep hear my voice. They know the shepherd's voice. Well, God's given us his word so that we can know his voice. And that's what we're really doing together. And just a short little bit each and every week, we get to do that practice, taking on that 15 minutes together and really going into God's word together. So I want to give you a recap of the four questions that we ask each and every week. And then we're going to get into this week's series. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Okay, so we are starting off this fall season together with a series called God of Our Fathers. And we're going to be in the book of Genesis looking at this idea that God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why does God name those three people? And and what's behind that? And what were God's plans and purposes at that time? And how does that relate to us today? So we're going to be doing that for the next six weeks, a couple weeks with Abraham, a couple weeks with Isaac, a couple weeks with Jacob, just to understand a little bit more about their life and find encouragement and hope in the way that God 
works, the way that God blesses us through his love and redemptive purposes in the world. That is where we are going. Genesis is a thick book with a lot of detail and narrative. So you might be wondering, how in the world are we going to do that? So we're going to take a little bit from each of these men's lives and look at what we can learn about God through that. But I really want to encourage you to read the book of Genesis if you haven't, or if you want to make that part of your reading plan through this time, that would be great because we're going to be glossing over kind of the most important pieces. Of course, there's so much more to learn if we got into more detail, but guys, I want to meet you where you're at. So, you know, meeting you where you're at sometimes means let's just start with the big ideas. Let's get those into our mind and really allow God to, to seep us in the narratives that he's given us, the stories that he's given us, and allow the Spirit of God to use that in our life. So a little recap of what we always do here on How to Study the Bible, in case you're new with us. What we do every single week is we just ask four questions of a passage of Scripture. And here's the four questions. This is based on a book I wrote called Help, My Bible is Alive, published by Nav Press, gives you a 30-day Bible boot camp into How to Study the Bible. So we're using those same questions. This is a very simple method. I am not the person to invent this. I just put some new language around a very, very simple way of learning. So here's our four questions. The first question is, what does it say? This is this is a surprisingly difficult one to answer. This is slowing down and looking at a passage and saying, okay, let me look for questions I have. Can I restate what this is saying? What questions do I need answered in order to actually understand? Not what it means, just what it says. What What are the pieces of the story that I might be missing that I need to understand in order to, to engage in the passage? So the first question is, what does it say? The second question is, what's the backstory? And that's kind of the research. That's the little bit of studying that we do to understand and get some of those questions answered that we found by asking the question, what does it say? So then we do, what's the backstory? That's the context. What did it mean? What's the history that we need to understand so that we can engage with this passage? Now, every week we won't be able to answer every single question, but here's the thing, guys. I do want you to feel like you can ask questions. And if you have a question that we don't answer in this series, we're going to do like a reader question at the end. So you can just send me an email, Nicole at NicoleUnis.com, or you can connect to our Facebook group, which will be linked in this podcast. If you just want to be in a like-minded community of people who are also studying the Bible together, you can do it there. So I'm going to look for your questions and do the best I can to answer them, hold them until the end of the series, but we'll see what we can get to each week. So what does it say? What's the backstory? Then we ask the question, what does it mean? What's the principle here? What's the theory that we can ask? And generally, when we get to this third question, we're going to be answering sort of, we're going to have a thought about who God is, about who people are, or about the way that God relates to people. And that's kind of our takeaway principle, this, this little nugget of truth that we're going to grab from this passage. And then our final question is, and what does it mean for me? How does God want me to use this in my life even today? Because we know the Bible promises that it's alive and active and that it's useful in all circumstances, which means whatever you're facing today, God has something for you, even if we're deep in the book of Genesis, looking at someone's life from the ancient Near East, there's something in there for you. And that's what we do at the end. What does it mean for me? Okay, so those are our four questions. We ask them every week. Let's get into our passage for today, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. 
This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Okay, guys, we're starting with Abraham in this series, God of Our Fathers, and we're going to look at a little bit of what we discover about God in this short passage in Genesis 12. So here we go, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I'm actually reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, this time around. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, that may be familiar to you if you've been around church a little bit. If it isn't familiar to you, no problem, because we're all on the same playing field when we ask these questions. The first question is, what does it say? And I want to look at a couple of things in this passage. We could go a lot of directions with this. You may be asking, like, who is Abram? Where are we? I get that. But here's a couple of things that I kind of circled for myself. The first one was this idea, go from your country. There's just like, go. (laughs) The Lord is speaking to Abram, and he's like, yeah, got to go. And it's just go from, go away from your home, your place, go away from your family, go away from where you were raised and what you know, right? And I, and the next part, I, I circle to the land I will show you, meaning it does not appear that there's a map, a plan, a GPS, a business outline or anything given except go. And then we see this whole blessing concept, right? And anytime we're in scripture and you see the same word or variation on the word, always pay attention to that because that generally means that it's the heart of the passage. So we see bless, blessing, bless, blessed. So five times there is the word blessing in this very, very short passage. So obviously we want to ask the question like, what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean that Abram Abram is a blessing? And what does it look like to pass blessing on, right? Because there's a lot of like blessing being moved around here. Like God saying, I will bless you. And then he's saying, that's going to make you a blessing. And you're actually going to be able to bless other people. And then it expands even further, right? It's like this big open funnel where it's a reverse funnel. And the the last part is in you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that little in, like that's a weird, in you is a weird 
phrase. So I kind of like circled that, put a question mark by it. Like, what does that mean? Okay. So let's do a little bit of the next one. What's the backstory? Okay. So what's the backstory? I mean, you can read Genesis 1 through 11. Let me give you just a quick flyover. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is really the foundation of our understanding of creation, of the Lord, of sin, of God's desire for people, the idea that God not only made male and female in his image, but he also called us to flourish together, to do work together. That's all happens in the beginning of Genesis. This is also where we see sin entering in, shame entering in, this separation between us as humans and God that happens in Genesis. And then basically Genesis 3 through 11 is just a dumpster fire of what happens when humans are separated from God. We we just see it. It's like, oh my gosh, things go downhill super fast. And we see that as sin enters in to the human experience, all manner of violence and selfishness um, sort of manifest themselves in people as people begin to proliferate through the world. And then between Genesis 3 and 11 is also where we have the story of Noah, where God is like so disgusted by the violence and oppression that he sees in people that he just is wiping the earth clean. And we see this kind of restart in the story of Noah. But even then, even after all that happens, the Tower of Babel also happens where we see again human nature has this pride to it. That's like, hey, this is in Genesis 11. Okay. We're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to be great. Let's work together and make this like amazing power. And the Lord actually comes down to see that once again, people and their own sense of their own pride, their own desire to build their own kingdom has, has leading to a destructive place. So all of this is happening. Okay. So I just want you to know it's a lot of bad news from Genesis 3 through 11. I think that's important to know because we're about to see something really important about who God is in this passage, right? So here the Lord comes now and we, we don't have time right now to get into all the mechanics. We have lots of questions. And, and probably questions that we can't fully answer on this side of heaven, but I have questions. I'm like, how did the Lord appear to Abram? How did the Lord speak to Abram? How did he know it was the Lord? What was their worship like at that time? But it's clear through the Genesis up to this point that there's a knowledge of God. For some people, there's a knowledge of God, that there is a God. And so God comes to him. And what we know from the very end of Genesis 11, we get to learn a little bit about Abram's dad. Okay. So in Genesis 11, Terah is Abram's dad. And it says there that Terah was actually going to set out to the land of Canaan. Okay. But when they got to Haran, they settled there instead. So this is important because we're about to learn that when God says for Abram to go, where God is sending him is to Canaan. That was where his dad was originally intended to go. But before he got there, he settled. Okay. So that's something we want to know in the backstory. And then this last piece of this backstory is this idea of blessing. And we see like, if you're going to kind of list out what you see in a blessing, what's interesting is it doesn't say, I will bless you and make you rich. I will bless you and take away all your pain. I will bless you so that you can just like be proud of yourself, right? It actually says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. So there's this immediate connection between God's favor upon us and the way that that then flows through us, right? I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse me and God will be with Abram. And then we have this one thing, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this idea of in, 
I love what it says in my study notes. And and here in this part of our study, when we get to the backstory, is where we do want to read our study notes. So if you've got a study Bible, this is a place where you can read the commentary that's underneath your passage to kind of understand how others are interpreting what this passage is about. And I love this this little note in my ESV study Bible. And it says this, to be in some person then is to be a member of that people for whom that person is the representative. That's a big sort of thought, but basically like think about the idea if you've got kids or if you've ever been on a sports team and you you say, hey, like when you guys go out to this away game, you represent the school. The way you act at this game represents the school. So the idea there is like, hey, when you put on a uniform, you are a representative of all of the rest of us. Like we are in you. So that concept there we see being built out here where God is actually saying to Abram through you, not because you're necessarily special, but because you are the representative of what I am going to do in the world. To be in is to be represented by that person, right? That we're in that. And this is sort of the beginning of how we see God's redemptive plan unfolding in the world. And if you're familiar with scripture, you'll know that there's also this use of in that appears frequently when we talk about what it means to be in a relationship with Christ, to be in Christ. So in Romans chapter three, we studied Romans last fall. So if you, if you're new to studying the Bible, if you're, you're trying to just understand how the gospel works and what it means for your life, go back and, and listen through the Romans series. It will help you so much. But in Romans three, three twenty three through 25, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So here we see like this connection that we have to God, this relationship is because Christ Jesus is our representative, that we get to be represented by Christ, that through the gift of God, of Christ's life, we are now justified by the work that he did. He is our representative and we get to fall into that family. So we are in that blessing. So even though Abram and Abraham was far before Jesus, already we can see way back in the Old Testament, God is working out his redemptive plan for the world. And even though he's using people, and we'll see this a lot, that all these guys mess up, all these guys go their own way. And yet, even though it was such dark times, God is still working out his redemptive plan. God is still bringing his plan to be. So our third question, what does it mean? Well, God always has a plan. That's what I wrote down in my notes. God always has a plan. And God pursues blessing despite us, not because of us. God pursues his blessing, his plan. We see over and over again, humankind failing, turning to their sin, turning to their selfishness. It's destructive. It always goes poorly. And yet God continues to show up and to offer and to move his plan forward, to bring that blessing forward. And that is a beautiful gift because if you're old enough (laughs) to know yourself pretty well, you know that you fail over and over again. You fall short over and over again. And yet God says, that's not what I'm about. That's not what what brings things about my blessing, my plan is going to move forward in this world regardless. And Abraham, Abram, as he says in Genesis 12, God changes his name to Abraham. Abraham has a part to play in all of this, but the part he has to play is obedience. Like God says, go and Abraham goes. 
And that's what we can like. He goes and he doesn't go perfectly. He doesn't go like like it's all going to go great, but he goes. And I think there's something for us there. When I think about what does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? I just think the only thing I have from today is everything is part of a bigger plan. Everything in your life is part of a bigger plan. Like God is constantly working out his redemptive purposes in the world. And you may be feeling like you are being dragged through the mud. You might feel like you don't, you just don't even have enough strength to go on. And like, surely nothing in your life is worth writing, (laughs) showing up in the Bible about, you know what I mean? But I'm telling you, everything is part of a bigger plan. God is always at work. He, we see it from Genesis to Revelation, and we're starting in Genesis, but I hope you know that you're, you're a part of God's plan continuing to go forward in this world. I have some dear friends right now who are going through the, the, the greatest trial of their lives as they, as they help their young daughter who's, who's just a couple weeks old and, and it looks like may, may need a heart transplant. And every day is a day to say, God, this is so hard. But everything is part of a bigger plan and you keep showing up faithful and we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep going where you send us. And you may not be facing a trial of that magnitude, but whatever trial you're facing in your life, I want you to know that God has not forgotten you, that God sees you, and that he keeps on working out his plan, that he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing in this world. Go in that blessing today, everyone. Talk with you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Want to learn more about God and His will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.